this week's study really gets interesting because this is really part two of we were talking about General, who was in charge of the King's Army, Naaman, who had leprosy, and now he has left Elisha after Elisha tells him to go in peace. So we pick up at 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 20 through 27, and this is when Elisha confronts Gehazi. If you remember, Naaman left in good terms when he was told by Elisha to go in peace. But when we look at verse 20 and we start reading what has happened here, we see that Gehazi has taken a turn for the worse. Let me read. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, My master should not have let this Aramean get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. So Gehazi sets off after Naaman, and when Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went to meet him. Is everything all right? Naaman asked. Yes, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me to tell you that two young prophets from the hills of the country of Ephraim have just arrived. He would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothings to give to them. By all means, take twice as much as silver, Naaman insisted. He gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi. But when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent the men back. Then he went and he hid the gifts inside the house. When he went into his master's house, Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? I haven't been anywhere, he replied. But Elisha asked him, Don't you realize that I was there in the spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle, and male and female servants? Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was white as snow. My goodness, this has really taken a sharp turn, has it not? Here is Elisha's own servant that has gotten greed in his heart, and he steals and then he lies. Everything falls apart for him. Gehazi says to himself, in other words, he reasoned with himself. When you read that in verse 20, he reasoned with himself or he rationalized away the idea that these gifts shouldn't leave without someone getting them. He couldn't stand the idea that those gifts weren't going to be taken. So he chased after Naaman. Notice that Gehazi reasoned or said to himself, he didn't talk with God about it. He thought it was he and he alone that could make this decision. Gehazi knew how great God was and how Elisha was very much in touch with God. Why would he think that this was something he could get away with? This is where pride and greed gets in the way. Our ego dominates, as someone once said, ego as an acronym, edging God out. Gehazi pushed all his experience aside for greed. 
Gehazi must have ran down to Naaman in a storm of panic. His eyes and expressions must have expressed great concern to cause Naaman to step down out of his chariot with his whole entourage with him. Naaman stepped down and he asked Gehazi, is everything all right? So there must have been panic in his eyes or something that really set off Naaman to wonder what's wrong. When you look at verses 22 through 23, now here is the action of his sin being fulfilled. The first part of his commitment to sin was when Gehazi decided to run after Naaman, knowing full well what he intended to tell him. The sin started with his thought and germinated into a fully blossomed sin. Notice the first lie he spoke into existence. He says, quote, But my master has sent me to tell you the two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived. He would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give to them. This is a three-part lie just in this conversation. Think about it. The first one is, my master has sent me. The second one is, he wants me to tell you about two young prophets. The third lie is that he would like 75 pounds of silver and clothing to give them. That's three lies all captured into one thought. Naaman demonstrates really how grateful he was for the healing of God, that he offered double the amount. He thought, why not? Look what has happened to me. I am clean. I also think that Naaman was so relieved that nothing bad happened to Elisha, so he offered even more gifts. Imagine this, Naaman sent so much back with Gehazi, he needed two other people to help him haul it back to his place. When Gehazi arrived to the fortress of where he lived, he sent the two men away. He didn't want them where they could actually be seen by Elisha and others. One can only assume that maybe two of his family members helped him carry the loot to hide it for him. Look at verse 25. Here is where the rubber meets the road. Gehazi waltzes his way over to Elisha's path. Elisha immediately asked him, Where have you been? The question itself is such a great opportunity to tell the truth and confess his fault as we taught in the New Testament confess your faults one to another. Why didn't he do this? Why didn't he take an opportunity to do this? No, he didn't. Oh no. Gehazi goes for his fourth lie. He tells Elisha, I haven't been anywhere. I suppose he could have said, oh, I was just chasing some people down. I had to pick up a few things, but he just flat out lies. However, in this case, that wasn't gonna work. Jesus said, you should know the truth and the truth will set you free. Gehazi only needed to tell the truth, but he couldn't do it. When you look at verse 26, how does Elisha respond to this fourth lie? He asks a couple more questions. Elisha asked him, don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepping down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothes and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and cattle and males and female servants? Interesting. We don't read about a response from Gehazi though. I think we could have heard a pin drop when Elisha said this to him, because he knew he had been had. At verse 27, Elisha closed the matter with saying this, 
that you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was white as snow. That's how it describes him. That really was a voice to be reckoned with when he heard Elisha say this. Elisha said his spirit was there when Naaman stepped down from the chariot. This is fascinating when I think about other times in the Bible when the spirit was somewhere else while the body was in a different location. Nathaniel became a believer when Jesus told him that he was seen standing under a tree praying, yet Jesus was walking with Philip to meet with Nathaniel. Jesus needed to tell Nathaniel this for him to realize that reality of the Messiah, the Messiah. This also is the revelation of the spirit of truth. It bears witness with our spirit. So when Jesus told Nathaniel, I saw you praying under the tree, Nathaniel was convinced that he was the Messiah because who else would know that? And that was amazing to him. So he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Here's another example. As told at, at the beginning of Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, following Barnabas's example, also sold their land, but secretly withheld a portion of the proceeds. Ananias presented his donation to Peter, and Peter replied, Why is it that Satan has filled your heart, that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Peter pointed out that Ananias was in control of the money and could have kept it himself if he saw fit, but he had withheld a, a portion of it for himself and then lied about it. Peter stated that Ananias had lied not to men, but to God. Subsequently, they both died instantly. Here's one more example. It's in the book of Acts. Uh, it records that in Ephesus, God was performing extraordinary miracles through Paul. You can read that in Acts 19.11. These miracles were to substantiate Paul's message. There were some religious charlatans in Ephesus who pretended to have special miracle-working powers. Sceva, who was identified as a Jewish chief priest in Acts 19.14, had seven sons who went around driving out evil spirits. you read that in verse 13. Seeing the success that Paul had in exercising demons, the seven sons of Sceva began using a new formula invoking the name of Jesus. They could say to the demon, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Uh, that didn't quite work. This ploy of Sceva's seven sons backfired one day, and a demon they were trying to cast out refused, saying, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? You read that in Acts 19.15. The demon then turned on them viciously, and the demon-possessed man jumped He jumped on them, overpowered them, and took all their clothes off. He ripped them off. And he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house completely naked and bleeding. In verse 16, even the demons could discern the truth. The Spirit reveals all. That's really important to understand. These friends of mine that I was visiting in California have a daughter named Frankie Bartania. And she decided to go up to her mom. She's only five years old. And she confessed to her mom that she had done something wrong. She remembered in her Sunday school class how they had talked about the evil one as that sneaky snake. 
In her confession, she told her mom that she wanted to tell the truth. After telling her mom what happened, Frankie commented, that sneaky snake got me. And I think that sneaky snake got a hold of Gehazi, and he couldn't let go. Folks, confess your sins, confess your faults. Be truthful with the way you live. This is really the message. Here's a servant that was so close to Elijah, but yet so indifferent when it came to greed and to pride in his ego. We've got to separate that out. Have a great day.